like the Carter Bill of Rights The Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down uh, Until it really hurts Is this a sovereign nation? Or just a police state? Or it gets too late Okay, welcome friends and patriots and believers in the First Amendment, citizens for free speech members and beyond. Welcome to another edition of Stand and Deliver. My name is Bob France, National Communications Director for Citizens for Free Speech, and I'm here with the boss. Patrick Wood, Founder and Director of Citizens for Free Speech, and we have another earful for you today. It just keeps on coming. We're excited it about does. it. I want to I want to tell you, uh, Bob, this is I think our thirty seventh one, our thirty seventh episode. This it's, it's amazing. We're going to be at fifty two episodes, really, just in a blink of an eye, and that means we will have been at this for a year. It's incredible. We've had thousands and thousands of downloads of this podcast along the way, not just for our members, but for people who discovered us for the first time. I get emails from say, I heard you on the podcast, and you were talking about this, that, or the other. Uh, so this this is a great way to reach people. And uh, apparently, apparently, people are appreciating the verbal communication and the video to our picture. I don't know. <laughs> I used to say, you know, we have a perfect face for radio. But here we are, right? We're broadcasting. <laughs> and now, now all all audio almost has video attached to it, it seems like. That's true. So, um, we want to talk about free speech again. What else? What other issue is there besides free speech right now? This is the most ex- important existential issue in America today is to keep free speech alive. And there are people, you realize, that are trying to kill it, deader than a doornail. Uh, so we're after it, and we're going to stay on it. I don't think we're ever going to run out of a reason to have a job here. <laughs> Like, no, the only the, the only the only thing we could run out of is time and uh, and and money. And we are a member supported organization, so don't let yes. that happen. Seriously, people. Uh, and by the way, I love the fact that people are really. Pre- you blew me away when you just said thirty seven. I had no idea. We when we first start, first started doing this, we said episode eight. You know, because it was pretty easy to do. Once we got into the teens and maybe early early twenties, I stopped thinking about it. But I can't believe we're more than halfway to a year, and we are, yes. and that's pretty impressive. Yes. I'm uh, I'm very very happy about that, and I'm glad that it's gaining traction with more people downloading and, and watching slash listening to this because it means that the fight that we are fighting is important to a lot of people. I mean, if yes. we don't have a First Amendment, if we don't protect it, fight for it, defend it, we don't have a country, and that's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, no, literally, without the First Amendment, this beacon of freedom that is this this constitutional <clears throat> republic we were gifted is dead done and people need to understand that so yes uh, that's exactly. why we do what we do exactly. so having said by, that pat let's oh but yeah and by the way i want to just show people i'm excited this i have it in my hot little hands this, this is the first printing of the free speech statesman newspaper yes we picked up our first twenty thousand last week late last week we have, I forget how many, whatever, we're up to like 1,500 just in a couple of days that we sent out to people around the country. We're sending them in bundles of 25 right now, no singles, just in bundles. And we're asking our members to distribute them to local shops and stores, doctor's offices, waiting rooms, wherever people might pick up newspaper and leave three or four or five with the permission of the manager or the owner. 
and uh, spread the word on free speech, you realize 75% of America now cannot be reached on Internet anymore effectively, whether through email or just coming to a website or putting a banner on a website, whatever. People just don't want to live on the Internet today. So we're, we're addressing that need. All I can say is I think we're on the right side of this right now. We need to go back to print to an extent to get people out that aren't normally out and, and into our camp to fight for free speech. So if you have a mind to be a distributor, I want you to get on, get on our website right now. It says it's for free, free speech dot store and, um, check it out. See if you'd like to become a distributor or maybe you just have a few friends you'd like to hand newspapers so you could do that or maybe a club or maybe a group that you meet with or maybe a church. You could pass them out at church or whatever. It's about free speech and we've got everything in here that you really would need to know. The first class, you could learn everything you need to know about free speech right now and get kickstarted. So anyway, I just want to throw that out, Bob. This is exciting news and we've been waiting for this for a while. We've been talking about it. We've been planning. We've been going around the mill with design and stories and editorial. We did it, folks. Now it's up to you to stand and deliver. I can't stop smiling and kind of chuckling a little bit because you were so proud of that thing. You couldn't wait until the second half of this episode. Yes. Uh, and just, we, you were just like, look what I have. <laughs> you couldn't hold yes. it back. That was going to be I'm going to do it thing. again. We'll do it again at the end. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know what? You should be proud of it. We all should be. Uh, it's extremely important. And the idea is a great one. And that is not just... <clears throat> a way for us to reach more people, uh, you know, without using the Internet because people don't want to. But, again, because we can't in many cases, because we get canceled, blocked, we can't put our message out on certain places. And people, you know, we've talked about the Google Gmail scandal in which they send uh, things that they don't like into people's spam boxes instead of directing yes. them to their inboxes. So all these reasons we can't always reach who we want to reach, but they can't stop us from talking to one another face-to-face. And they can't no, they stop cannot. Enough, Boy, they can't stop us from hand somebody, Just hand it to right. them. Right. Beautiful. Instead of, instead of emailing thing. the story to somebody, which can be compromised, if I hand it to somebody, it can't be compromised. It's going to be delivered. It's going to be uh, read, and that's so important. So what we're doing with this is real huge. We'll hit more on that in a, in, in a little bit. <clears throat> like you said, we'll talk about it a second time. But I want to get into, again, it kind of ties to this. Now, Pat, you found this story, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, last week, I remember on our last podcast, I was talking about three different levels of censorship uh, that we are fighting through on the on the digital side, on the big tech side. Uh, you know, and the first is the big tech moderators themselves. You know, these are just kind of left-leaning non-believers or in free speech. These are people who really think the First Amendment is antiquated uh, and that speech should be censored through a filter of what they and their ideological uh, like-minded people believe to be accurate information, that speech should be filtered through for accuracy based on their determination of what accuracy is. And they write their algorithms to flag things that they seem or they believe to be misinformation, or at least they want to declare misinformation, even if they don't believe it, but for political purposes. So that's one. And then we talked about the federal government, because we know Mark Zuckerberg admitted in testimony before a Senate committee that the FBI had gone to or come to them two years ago, right before the 2020 election, and said there's going to be a bunch of misinformation coming from Russia. We would appreciate it, Mr. Zuckerberg, if you wouldn't let this get shared widely on this massive profile or platform, rather, called Facebook, because much people are going to be getting the wrong idea. And all they were trying to do is protect, you know, a, a particular candidate. 
and, and you know, from from having any damage done. And of course, I speak of the current president, whose son Joe Biden, uh, you know, had that laptop just filled with dirty little secrets that have come out over the course of the last two years, and the FBI essentially censored it. So those are two levels. And the third level that I mentioned last week, and I had a little bit of information on, but not a ton, was the global government that there are there are um, the United Nations and other entities that are working to censor and limit and suppress our free speech rights in the United States and in some other countries which have a modicum of freedom and liberty. But there was a, a global effort here. Now, I knew a little bit about it then. Patrick, I don't didn't know nearly as much as I know right now because of what you found. Tell us about what you found at the Brownstone Institute. Well, that's exactly right. There was an article uh, that was released on the, the Brownstone Institute website and uh, the, the, the article dealt with Twitter in particular, but this story really goes beyond Twitter. Here's the gist of the story. <clears throat> Back on July 5th of this year, that's just three, what, three months ago, July 5, uh, the European Union passed the Digital Services Act. That's, I'll call it DSA for short. And remember that the when I say European <coughs> Union, this is not like America where we have Congress and, you know, House of Representatives, Senate, so on. They, it's not that they, when they say they pass an act, there's no, no people. Well, these people are technocrats. None of them are elected. They're, they're unaccountable or unelected, and they just decide what they're going to do. But it's enforceable. They have the power right now to levy fines and to issue penalties and, and punish people for not doing what they say they should do, whether it's individuals or countries, um, the, the EU has incredible dictatorial powers over the people that admit it. Well, they're expanding their universe. Now, with the Digital Services Act, DSA, um, passed by the European Parliament, as I said, on July 5, this now gives them the power, and I'm reading directly out of it, a power to impose fines of up to 6% of global turnover on, quote, very large online platforms or very large online search engines that it finds to be non-compliant with its censorship requirements. Ooh, now, what would the EU's censorship requirements be? That's the $64 question, because if you violate them and you're a company like making income and profits and all that kind of stuff, you could be in harm's way to be fined 6% of your global turnover. That includes anywhere on the stinking planet, believe it or not, anywhere. They're extending their reach into America because if they discover that Twitter or Facebook, for instance, is letting certain things pass here, it's not censored, then they will be fined on their global income from Europe, you see, from the European perspective. Mm -hmm. I hope people are understanding what I'm saying here. This is incredible. This is, this is okay, we're Americans, right? This is supposed to be America, for Pete's sake, where we have the rule of law in our own country. We decide our destiny. We decide what's right, wrong, and indifferent. We decide any penalties or any punishment for something that's done that isn't right. But not anymore. Now, and, and the EU is stepping into this. And by the way, total indifference. There's crickets from our from our Congress, 
from our House of Representatives, from our Senate, Senators, crickets. Nobody is saying a word about this. I'll tell you, Bob, this is an incredible development that we really didn't quite see it coming from from this angle. We know that the United Nations has established a disinformation board that they're going to push out across the world. But the big question come out, how can they enforce this? We don't get it. Well, the only way you can have a penalty is if you have some authority, some organization that has enough authority. The United Nations can't levy fines. They can't do that. They can sit there and browbeat browbeat you, but they can't say, well, you violated our terms of service, and we're going to take $500 out of your bank account. The U.N. can't do that. But the European Parliament can. (laughs) You see the end run that's taking place here. This is deadly serious. What this means is that the big social media and companies, whatever, even if our own congressman and senator pass laws or go after them with uh, antitrust regulations and so on laws, they will be forced to continue to censor or else they'll be put out of business by the EU. It will be existential for them if they do not comply. So even if they had a complete turnover and they said, like Elon Musk, for instance, has said he's going to go ahead and buy Twitter. Let's just say Elon Musk says free speech for all folks. We're done with this. We're going to let it, you know, it's all going to fly. Free speech forever. Ain't it going to happen? Because all of a sudden he'll find himself presented with massive fines from the EU based on Twitter's global income. (laughs) Right. Now, I, I don't know what percentage of uh, <clears throat> users and thus revenue is generated for Twitter from the EU uh, versus, you know, in the United States. Um, I would like to see what that breakdown is. I suppose there's a possibility that if he wanted to, and again, he's not going to cut off his own nose to spite his own face in terms of revenue, but I suppose if he wanted to, anybody wanted to, could limit the reach of their product to the United States. In other words, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make this available only to uh, to uh, um, uh, 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 internet uh, uh, addresses that are uh, that are in the United States. And the EU doesn't want Twitter over there. Under the way we do it, we can just do it here. But there's going to be an awful lot of people that he would thus sacrifice in terms of the accounts worldwide, and thus his number of users leads to a, a smaller amount of revenue generated by advertisers. But um, I want to go back to a little bit about what you said and then also add a couple of other things that were in the Brownstone Institute article about this, Pat, because it's crucial that people know. You and I and our team at Citizens for Free Speech over the course of the last two years have been very, very hard on the mandates that have been handed down uh, between shot mandates and mask mandates and school closures and six feet of distance and all of the other things, businesses that went out, all of the different things that went that that uh, that happened to to harm Americans because of our policy with here policies here with respect to COVID. We've been very very hard on because it takes away freedoms. You know, so many of them violated all five tenets or principles in the First Amendment and several other elements of the Bill of Rights as well. And we fought very hard. And some people might think, well, we're just, you know, we're we're COVID deniers. We don't believe that COVID is real and we don't believe that COVID is a threat and blah, blah, blah. And it's not that at all. We believe there was a virus. We believe that for some people, particularly in high-risk demographics and health conditions, uh, it's deadly and, 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 and was deadly for many. Uh, but that it was also, you know, 99 pl- uh, point 
blank percent uh, recovery rate for people who are not in those high-risk categories. We went through all of this. The reason I'm bringing that up when I talk about COVID is because, and I'm going to Brownstone here now, curiously, the publication of the draft legislation uh, for this DSA that you're talking about coincided with the authorization and subsequent rollout of the first COVID-19 vaccines in the EU. The legislation was unveiled on December 15th, and the first COVID-19 vaccine, that of BioNTech and Pfizer, was authorized by the commission there just six days later. Vaccine skeptics or critics would quickly become the principal target of the EU-driven online censorship thereafter. So that's why I bring it up, Pat. We knew that the censorship and the stripping of freedoms by way of the mandates here in the United States was only the beginning. If you dared to speak out against the science, as Dr. Fauci liked to call himself, if you dared to speak out against the accepted science and the, you know, the only two side effects of the shots that are being pushed out, these mRNA experimental uh, uh, toxins, the only two side effects were safe and effective. That was it. Nothing negative at all. Just safe and effective. And if you dared to challenge that, you were in trouble online. And now we know it wasn't, again, just those Silicon Valley, you know, hippies that are over there making these decisions. They were making these decisions in consultation with, in coordination with, and if we should use the, the dirty word, in a collusive relationship with the federal government of the United States and the European Union as well. All of this was put together to take away more of our rights. They used COVID to destroy or attack and continue, really. It's not over yet. Uh, the First Amendment and the rights of people here uh, in the United States and globally, obviously, to the extent that they have them, uh, to speak out on these things without being canceled, without being fined and, uh, and, and, and forced to pay penalties. When the when a penalty is applied to anything relating to free speech, it's a very slippery slope. I'll, I'll give you an example, and I know a lot of people think about what are we upset about? What's the big deal? Well, because in, in this case, actually, Twitter is going to get fined. Some people might say, "Well, good. I hope they get fined to death. Yeah. Put them out of business." But that's not the point. They're getting they're getting fined. They're getting penalized. Or if you turn it around, they're going to if you don't get penalized. You're getting paid to censor us by, by a foreign government, which isn't right. But listen, up in up in Canada, for instance, there are there were laws put in place against um, hate speech, in particular uh, coming from emanating from the Christian community up there, from pastors that that have churches and stuff, that, you know, maybe been doing that all their life, and and so they teach the Bible from uh, from a pulpit, and they have a congregation that the people voluntarily go, and they go through the door on Sunday morning, and they listen to the sermons, or whatever. And the minister, the, the pastor, uh, shepherds them in a sense, right? Cares for them, develops relationships, etc. Well, they pass laws that if a pastor even reads passages from the Bible that violate community standards, <laughs> like you know, you talk about something about homosexuality or whatever being being a sin, which the Bible teaches that. Okay, so if if a pastor gets up and just reads the passage from the Bible. He's, he's guilty of a crime in Canada now. And there yep. have actually been pastors that have been arrested in Canada for doing they call that. that they, call it, they would call that hate speech. They would call it it's hate speech. It's what the Bible exactly says, but right. they would call it hate speech. They would call exactly. it discriminatory against LGBTQ or whatever. Exactly. So in a couple of cases, it was actually determined that nobody within the church itself snitched on the pastor. They, had, they sent in, what do you call it, agents provocateur that dressed up 
Sunday clothes, right? And they went to church and they weren't part of the church at all, but they listened to the sermon. They, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to go and report that guy. And they did or made, made a recording of recording saying it. And they took it to the authorities and the authorities came out, investigated and arrested the guy. Uh, this is a slippery slope. Now, in our country, the First Amendment, first thing in the First Amendment says, we have freedom of expression of religion. And it goes on, freedom of press, freedom of speech, et cetera, freedom, the right to assemble. Um, whenever somebody puts a penalty on free speech, that is the slippery slope that eventually will end up in physical harm to not only people, but to families, to society in general. It could be physical things. It could be going to jail. Um, you know, like many of the people from January 6th uh, debacle, had nothing to do with what was going on. They just happened to be standing around in the crowd. And yet they also were arrested on, you know, basically kind of free speech issues in a way. Penalties are very difficult. Now, the EU has no problem with that because there is no connection to the people. There, the people that created this law are unelected, unaccountable technocrats. That means they were just appointed. And they call in Europe, they call them technocrats, by the way. I'm not making that up. That's what they call them in Europe. And so these people make this law that has nothing to do with society whatsoever. These these people have nothing to do. They're totally detached from the people and what the people want. And they just did it. Well <clears throat> Pat, I I, I want to make sure people understand. That slippery slope you're talking about in Canada with the, you know, they sent the agents provocateur in there just to look around and listen and to secretly see what the pastor was saying so they could bust him. Uh, and in the EU as well, it's already here. We've slipped down that slope a long time ago in the form of violation of our right to free assembly. Because yes. in the, in the uh, early stages of the pandemic that started kind of officially unofficially in March of 2020, I can tell you that here in the state of Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine had his health inspector, you know, Gestapo, uh, going into bars that were still allowed to stay open under limited, uh, you know, extreme conditions. And the conditions were, you, if you were eating or drinking, you must be seated. Uh, you must be six feet away from everybody else. You're not allowed to stand at the bar. Uh, and they would send these, um, Gestapo, uh, uh, into the, into the, you know, places, uh, to quote unquote, you know, mingle. And what they were doing is spying. And as soon as they saw somebody standing and drinking, boom, the bar was fined $2,500 or whatever the price was. As soon as they saw somebody standing at the bar and not see, and by the way, with the insanity of it, I won't even go into, of course, the idea that COVID, you know, doesn't reach you while you're sitting, but when you stand up, oh, you walk right into a cloud of COVID. Now you're suddenly a danger. But the fact is there are very, there were very specific restrictions in a lot of public places and they would send these same agents, if you will, I'll call them Gestapo, whatever. But they send them out there to look for crimes, to look for thought crimes or look for, you know, violations of what used to be protected activity under the First Amendment. Uh, all, all because of, you know, this, uh, uh, this fear mongering that they were engaged in over the virus. So that slippery slope, man, we're already on our way down it. We have slipped and fallen and we're just picking up speed if we don't do something very, very quickly. And now to, that, that's at the state level. That was at many, many state levels, by the way. A lot of governors did the same thing. Of course, we're talking federal, and now the point of our story today with the Brownstone Institute is uh, the collaboration and collusion with with uh, with these, you know, globalists. Right, right. The uh, the the one of the footnotes or 
paragraphs later on in this article from Brassland Institute makes a very important point. I'll just reiterate it again. We kind of touched on it. But uh, the, the writer says, note that the DSA gives the commission, that's the EU commission, quote, unquote, exclusive, uh, in effect, dictatorial powers to determine compliance and to apply sanction. For the online platforms, the commission is judge, jury, and executioner. Okay? That's this... <laughs> This is important. This is not just some, you know, little inconsequential thing. Um, and, and listen, our one of our kind of counterpart organizations, in a sense, in Europe, really Great Britain, the Free Speech Union. They had they're roughly the same size as we are today. They had a very moderate, uh, you know, driven campaign about free speech and the freedom, the right to, to speak your mind, and so on, and issues. Um, they processed all their donations through PayPal. PayPal decided they were violating, they didn't like them, whatever they were saying, they didn't like them. They were violating their community standards. PayPal (coughs) pulled the rug out from under them and said, you will no longer use PayPal to process all of your donations and stuff, many of which were in there on a subscription basis, you know, month after month after month. Cut the knees out from under them, Just, just cut them off the kneecaps. It's incredible. They did it because PayPal, again, unelected, unaccountable, they acted as judge, jury, and executioner at the same time. This is exactly what the EU is proposing. Now, we're seeing this kind of thing. We, we see this kind of judge, jury, executioner even. We've seen it with Facebook. We've seen it with Twitter. We've seen it with Google and so on where people are just X'd out or banned for some reason. Yeah. But this this idea of judge, jury, and executioner is pitted against democracy. I just I can't stress this enough. They're no. pitted against the democratic process that we know, in, especially in America, and in not just America, many other countries, we happen to have a constitutional republic. But people still refer to it as a democratic thing, maybe only because people still have a say in what happens here in this country. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is technically a democratic but, republic. Uh, so, right. so in other words, it's a republic, so, but it's rooted in democracy. So we, we right. understand that. So, you know, here here we are with uh, with our uh, illusion, it appears now, that we live in a country where we can appeal. That's the First Amendment, by the way, where we can appeal to the government for redress of our grievances. Well, I'd like to talk to our government leaders about this stuff, and, and I'd like to tell them my grievances and have them do something about it. But right. – the people and they, you know, they still are there in structure and form. But now we have these outsiders acting as judge, jury, and executioner that we cannot even reach to appeal. We, we can't. We can't, can't appeal touch anything. them. Right. We can't Pat, touch them. Pat, we don't have a ton of time left here, but I'm glad you brought up PayPal. I want to hit this real quick before we remind everybody again about the free speech statesman. You brought up PayPal, and I want everybody to kind of know the latest, the update on the PayPal story of fining. Now, those who don't know this, over this past weekend, uh, it was revealed PayPal actually announced that they were going to be deducting up to $2,500 out of PayPal uh, account holders' accounts. If those individuals or those entities uh, were found to have been uh, uh, purveying or, or spreading misinformation or disinformation, I mean, just flat out, we decide and we're taking twenty five hundred bucks out of your corporate or individual PayPal account. 
That lasted about 48 hours before the outrage just set in, and suddenly PayPal reverses itself. Uh, a red-faced PayPal, I'm just going to read from uh, the Daily Wire, a red-faced PayPal walked back its shocking new policy announcement that users who advanced disinformation could face fines of $2,500 per offense, saying it was all a mistake. Uh, this this uh, language was was uh, was published in error. We're sorry for the concu- confusion this caused. So it looked like, all right. People, you know, were active and they were activists and they said, we're not allowing this. And PayPal, uh, you know, uh, 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 reversed themselves. But the latest patent, people need to know this. Eugene Volokh, uh, uh, of the uh, Volokh Conspiracy, which is a tremendous uh, a blog, pointed out that PayPal is still doing this. They have not reversed themselves only in language because, um, PayPal's current acceptable use policy, which was not part of their news release, it's just in their policy bylaws, still threatens $2,500 fines per infraction for promoting, quote, hate and intolerance, end quote. So they've backed off of the, hey, if you, uh, if you advance misinformation or disinformation as we see it, we're fining you $2,500, but they have not pulled their their acceptable use policy standard that says if you promote hate or intolerance, which again, they are the judge and jury of, then we're going to yes. just take $2,500 right from your PayPal account. Pat, I can't, I cannot imagine anybody wanting to have a PayPal account anymore. I can't imagine wanting no. to roll the dice that no. if I've, I've got a corporation no. and I use PayPal no. to do some of my transactions yes. with clients and customers and whatnot. I cannot imagine anybody would want to run the risk of, gee, I hope the PayPal gods, small g, I hope the PayPal gods don't think this was hateful or intolerant today because I don't want to find my account $2,500 light tomorrow. Yes, exactly. And I'll tell you what, PayPal is no longer your pal. That's no, it. no. And, and you got to find another way to, to do your business transactions. I just think that's enormously important because yes. it went from here to here to back up here again. Now that people are actually yes. looking at it more closely and these places are simply not your friends. Okay. We're coming exactly. up on our 30 minute mark, Pat. Let's hit it again. Absolutely. I, yeah, this is it. You want an answer. You want something to hand to people when you're out uh, talking about free speech, whatever, take them. Take a few along when you're going grocery shopping or whether you're going to a church or you're going to a local political meeting or something uh, or into a doctor's office where maybe the guy is um, you know, kind of free speech oriented. Take them out and place them on the table in the waiting room so other people can come along and read it. I like the diner idea too, Pat, because if you know yes. anybody who like runs a mom and pop diner or whatever, they're, you know, they just say, hey, can you mind if I leave these on the corner here? Because what do people like to yes. do when they're eating? They like yes. to open up a paper and read. Now, they may have the local rag right. newspaper there, or they might see, what's that colorful red, yes. white, and blue thing on there? That's right. That that, says that's why we made speech. it kind of catchy. Yeah. That's right. You can see that. You can see this from a distance. Um, like, we wanted this to be read, like, maybe five or six feet away. Because mm-hmm. it would be sitting over on the side. It's not going to be right in front of you, and you're buying your sandwich or something. So it's over to the side. But we wanted people to see this free speech statement. What the heck is that all about? I'm going to check that out. Got nothing better to do anyway. I'm going to eat my sandwich over here at the table. Yeah, go read something. Pick this up. They're going to get hooked because the first story they're going to read about is a courageous story of the White Rose, which we have covered uh, more than one, one time uh, here and there about the, um, the young uh, student couple in um, Nazi Germany that were actually executed for their efforts to promote free speech in Germany at the time. Great story. Great, um, great hook. So we're hoping that we will 
we will find new people to the free speech arena, why it's important, what you can do. Uh, some of the articles we've included in here are just absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, local activism in your local city council, for instance, uh, getting involved with our citizen ninja training, our signature training that we have, um, uh, how to, you know, propaganda expose. You remember our propaganda brochure from, from last year, last couple of years? Well, we've reprinted that in the newspaper. So, you know, this is packed full of 16 pages, packed full of information of basically everything we have to say right now. This this is kind of a spilling of the beans on free speech. Nobody's going to get bored reading this. And the idea, of course, is to share it with people who don't know anything. Share it. Maybe you've already mm-hmm. read some of those things on the website. You're, you're a viewer slash listener of our podcast. You're obviously about Citizens for Free Speech. You know our stuff. The goal yep. here is to get it in the hands of people who don't. That's why we need distributors. Yeah. We, you, like I said, leave them in public places with permission, of course. Don't leave them in a place yes. where somebody's going to say, what's right. this, and dump them in the trash. Uh, get permission. Right. Take them to places where people will be receptive yep. to it and uh, and let them see what you already see yep. and let them see That's what right. you already and know, that we there is an organization fighting yep. for our First Amendment rights, and uh, they can be a part of it, too. <clears throat> right. So, so we'd be happy to send you a bundle of 25 newspapers, for a contribution of 25 bucks, it's really simple. We pay the postage. We'll get it to you one way or another. And then you can take that and take it out and, and be successful. If you want more, we, we're going to, we got plenty. We can reprint it anytime we want to and get a whole bunch more. Um, you can buy more than one bundle if you want, but we do have a limit of four bundles, actually four bundles of 25. That means a hundred is a maximum that anybody can get right now. It's just, we're limited. We want to make sure that somebody doesn't buy everything up and then we don't have anything else for anybody. Um, so yeah, if you want to get involved right now, this is something so easy to do that there's, there's really no pain in this to do it. You'll meet some people, you make some conversations, whatever people will smile perhaps when you give it to them and they read it and they come back next week and like some, well, like some church, for instance, come back next week and they say, man, that, that newspaper is just packed, man. I'm jazzed. I'm, you know, I, I went and signed up on their website to get involved with more stuff. Well, yeah, that's what we want to do. We need to reach well, out exactly- to America. That's exactly what we want you to do is go to the website. First of all, become a member at citizensforfreespeech.org. Second of all, click that store banner at the top or the store button there, and that'll open up the store and all of the information about bundles, how to acquire them, and what you can do with them is there for you. The other way you can, of course, become a member is if you would like to, you got your phone out right now, you're maybe watching or listening to this on your phone, open up a new, uh, open up your text uh, uh, app, if you would, and uh, text uh, the letters CFFS to the short code 313131. It's very simple. You'll get a bounce back uh, uh, link automatically to go in there and join Citizens for free, pe- free Speech. And from there, you can access, again, the newspaper, the bundles, and all of the information you want. So that is going to do it for this episode of Stand and Deliver, a very important one. Share the, just like we want you to share the newspaper, share this. Send people a link to the podcast that you listen to and that you watch. If they don't have the information that you think they need to have, make sure you share this with them so that they can become regular visitors as well. So thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of uh, Stand and Deliver. I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood. We'll see you next week. We'll be back. And there it is, as always. Join us. You let them put the fear on you. Sold down the river, but not a word of it is true. Ain't that nothing you can say?